Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, March 19th, 2023 called, I Have Redeemed You, Clean and Unclean, given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 39. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Well, God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can follow a bulletin uh, in your bulletin. There's a little outline if you want to go through that. Um, I'm going to be talking a lot about my dirty dishes. Uh, it's a recent trauma, I think. Maybe that's why it's on my mind uh, so often, and now it's something that's resolved, so it's okay. But when we talk about the, the dishes being dirty on the inside but clean on the outside, you know, honestly, when something is dirty, aren't you kind of repulsed by it? I think it's kind of a natural reaction that we have when something's filthy, right? I see um, if you've ever had dishes sitting on the side of your sink, never me, um, but sitting next to your sink and they haven't been washed for a few days, aren't you kind of like, oh, like those are gross. Or the pot that's been sitting in your sink soaking for two days, right? And you look inside of that pot and it's, like, it's got some stuff. It's floating and some of those things are not the things that you ate before. And you're like, oh gosh, I really don't want to stick my hand in there because honestly it's gross. Or if you've ever had to change a dirty diaper, right? There are times where <laughs> I've looked at and be like, honey, I can't do it. It is, it is too much. It is filthy. It is gross. It is, that's a five-wipe job. I can't, I can't get in there. Why? Because I, you, you, you naturally know, you, you almost have like a danger sense when things are kind of gross and you, and you stay away from it. But if it's clean on the outside, well, it's, it's no big deal really, right? I don't have to be confronted with the filth so to speak, or confronted with the things that are unclean when they're kind of hidden by something on the outside that appears kind of clean. And I, well, I tell you that because here I am, you know, I, I shaved for you this morning. I hope you noticed the lines of my beard. Um, I put product in my hair and I come to you with deodorant on today, uh, every Sunday. Um, but I, I come to you with like clean clothes because I want to appear clean to you because the outside, if the outside looks clean, maybe, just maybe, you won't think too much about the things that are inside of me. Right? The sin that I carry with me, the unrepentance that I can carry with me at times. If everything looks nice on the outside, maybe, well, if you don't really see the stuff on the inside, it's not going to be that big a deal. And, and I tell you this because I don't want you to be repulsed by me. I don't want you to see some of my filth, my dirt, my shame, the, the things that I carry with me, that, that unrepentance and that sin. I prefer for you to be friendly with me and see that, I, that I'm not sick here in the heart or sick here in the head or anything like that. I want you to see me and be like, oh, he appears clean. Um, let's go ahead and we'll have a handshake. And I tell you this because as we get back to talking about my dirty dishes, when I take that mug out of my cabinet from my, my bad dishwasher, right? I'm, I'm going back. I'm connecting you to the beginning that has like the day old or week old macaroni and cheese in it. And I pull it off the shelf and I have my clean, pure, delicious, wonderful coffee. And I go and I'm about to pour it into my mug and I look into my mug and I see the old ice cream and the old dirt and anything that's in there. Would I pour my hot coffee into that mug? No, thank you. Right? Uh, why not? Because it's, it's yucky, right? If I pour anything clean into that mug, the clean stuff I poured into there will now become unclean. My hot coffee will probably melt the old mac and cheese and I'll have mac and cheese coffee. And someone said, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. It's a meal and your caffeine. Yuck. Um, but I tell you that because when we take something that's clean and it comes in contact with something unclean, the clean thing does not become, make the unclean thing clean. 
It's the unclean thing that makes the clean thing unclean. You follow me there? When the clean comes in contact with the unclean, it makes the clean now unclean. But vice versa, right? When the unclean comes in contact with the thing that is clean, it itself does not become clean. It itself still remains unclean. The mac and cheese melts off the inside of my cup. And I tell you all this, right? This is what I've taken away from you from the book of Leviticus. (laughs) About your mac and cheese melting into your coffee. Now I show you this... um, I told Pastor Dinger, we met on Monday, and we're going over the message for today. You know, we're talking about clean and unclean and how Jesus has redeemed us as we go through Lent, as we march towards toward Easter. And I told him, well, you know, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of study, and I've gone through this bad boy over here. I got about a two-and-a-half-hour sermon planned. And he said, great, go for it. No, what he said was, well, we need to talk about that and maybe digest it a little bit. So I'm telling you... Um, when we go through this idea of Levitical laws, of what it means to be clean and unclean, something like this, which is this Lutheran commentary, what it does when you open it, you see all the words in it in Hebrew. It kind of breaks down what those words mean, how they're applied, and then there's commentary on how the whole section itself and what it means and what it's applied. So if you want to kind of go through the laws of being clean and unclean, and we get through today, and you say, you know what? Um, I want to go for that. I want to go through all the laws of what it takes to be clean so I can be clean in the sight of God. I have your handbook for you over here written in English. It looks a little thick, doesn't it? There's a lot going on in here, and we often mistake this book of Leviticus, right? And what we mean by Leviticus, it means Levitical laws. Um, the, the tribe of Levi, the Levites were the priests, and they would do all the ritual sacrifices. they do the sin offerings. But they were the, also the ones that you kind of saw in our, our chapter 14 reading over here of what made things clean and unclean in the presence of God. Yet, um, when we read this, realize the law is good. It's, it's, it's a good thing that God gave this to us. We'll talk about why in a little bit. But just like what humanity can do, we can take the good things of God and we can twist them a bit. We can add to them, as we kind of quote often 613 things being added to maybe these laws that were good, and we twist them to kind of suit more of our own purposes. And what we're looking for is humanity twisting things that are good, honestly, into things that are bad. And you see that in this beginning reading, right? And it's Luke chapter 11, even though it's the 6 up there. Luke chapter 11, verse 39 over there. As he's talking with the Pharisee, we get to our first point. The outside appears clean, although the inside is not. Jesus talking to the Pharisee says this. When he had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Now, that's not like Jesus is outside playing in the dirt and just like cleaning his hands like we should before dinner. This was a ritual cleansing or a ceremonial cleansing that they were looking for. And Jesus being a rabbi, they were surprised that he wasn't keeping up with the additions they're making kind of to these Levitical laws of what it meant to be clean because they saw um, the things that you ate, like the things I touched with my hands or came in contact, those things outside of me are what defiled me. These are the things that make me unclean by touching food with my unclean hands and now ritually unclean and putting it into my mouth, my whole body then becomes unclean. And Jesus kind of shows them you're looking too much at the letter of the law and not enough at the spirit of the law as he continues and says, now then you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. So now you get a little definition of what Jesus is talking about when he's saying the inside of that cup right? Your outside appears clean, but inside, inside your heart, it's full of greed and wickedness. And what's interesting about this concept is we 
we're actually pretty familiar with it. And I tell you that because no matter what movie you watch or TV show or book, there's always the character, and it's usually at the beginning of whatever it is you're reading or watching, and he's super friendly, right? He's really nice. The protagonist is struggling. He's like, don't worry, man. I'm, I'm here. I'm going to help you. Here's my hand. I'm full of wisdom. I'm smiling. Um, I, I look very clean on the outside. But who is that person always at the end of the movie? The villain. Are they not? They're the ones that at the end, they're like, ha-ha, I've tricked you. I've been using you the whole time. Inside the heart is full of greed and wickedness, although they appear clean on the outside. Some examples are like Boromir in The Lord of the Rings, right? I know he's not like the main villain, but you kind of see that in The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, he kind of travels through. He's with the hobbits. He's being really kind, and then he turns suddenly, and he desires the ring. Or Gollum is like that, too, right? He has this moment where he changes, and he's really friendly on the, the outside, very kind, and he's helping everybody along, but he's really the one at the very end of the movie or books that's full of greed and wickedness on the inside, seeking that one ring. Um, if you've ever watched Wreck-It Ralph, right? If you're with me on Wreck-It Ralph, if you're not, just chill for a second. It's not like God's gift to cinema. Uh, but but, but Wreck-It Ralph has a character in it, and his name is King Candy. And just by the name, what do you get already? He's this lovable, very kind, very clean on the outside goofball. But if you've seen the movie, he's the villain of the whole thing. Inside, he's full of greed and wickedness, things like that. If you've ever done like the Harry Potter books or movies, there's this character that dresses in pink, uh, and her name is Dolores Umbridge. It came to me now, right? Dolores Umbridge, if you know that. And she's very nice, kind, orderly, smiles all the time. But what is she full of on the inside? Greed and wickedness, right? We see this, and you, maybe you're thinking, okay, we do that often in books, movies, TV shows, things like that. It doesn't apply to real life until you find yourself in a sales situation, right? I feel like, don't you feel like you're trained to all of a sudden always be apprehensive and 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 predict the worst of the people who are the cleanest and friendliest and nicest kind of to your face. The ones that kind of come door to door and I'm here to sell you a vacuum or I'm here to sell you home security. They're always really friendly. Hey, how are you doing today? I noticed you got some stuff on the front lawn. You have kids. How are they doing? They ask you all these nice questions and you're sitting there and you're going like this. I know what you're doing. Right? Right away, you're already not sold on it. Why? You feel like they're being kind and nice to you because they're looking to get something. Right? You already have this perception, even of sales. It's like, okay, I know they're full of greed and wickedness. Right? I know that they are because they're trying to get something out of me. Right? And kind of the same idea, and dare I say it, like when you hear those phone scams, when they kind of come and they call you up, aren't they nice? Aren't they? They're like, hey, you know, how are you today? It's, oh, good. Is the weather by you great? Oh, awesome. By the way, and then you're like, I know what you're doing here. Right? You're trying to lure me in with your kindness and your goodness and your clean face, but really... You're sitting there and you're thinking this. You're full of greed and wickedness. I know it. Right? I know the inside of that cup is dirty. Now, I'm going to tell you this, right? Don't get up and leave, um, please. But uh, like in car sales, right, we have this idea. And I tell you what, I bought a car here in Pocatello. It was great. Best car shopping experience I've ever had. If you need a car, come buy it in Pocatello. Um, but outside of that, I've had pretty negative experiences. And aren't you almost trained that when you go to a car sale, like you're going to buy a used car, you're like, hmm, I can't let them get one over on me so to speak, right? You, you kind of, you're raised with that expectation that the people that are there to sell you on things, the cleaner they are, the more they smile, the friendlier they are, you should be the most suspicious of. And it's like, where did that kind of thing come from? People are working from a deficit. And you know that because you, you consider that for a moment. You know why I know I'm trained to be cautious of people that are too friendly and they appear too clean and they appear too nice? I'm trained by that, by the guy I see in the mirror every morning. So I look at that guy and I go, I know what you're trying to do. 
You were trying to sell me on something. I could see that on the outside you appear clean and nice and friendly, but I know what's really inside your heart. You know, we read in Corinthians, the two things that know the, man, the spirit of a man is the Lord and that man himself. I know what that guy's really thinking over there. I know what he's really carrying around with him. I remember that when I was a kid, you know, when you tried to manipulate your parents. Have you ever tried to do that? When you do all the extra nice things, you try and be nice because there's something you want to ask for. Really, I'm being all kind and friendly on the outside because... There's something inside me that's full of greed and wickedness, right? My heart is a dirty cup, as Jesus is saying. It's filled with something that's in there that is honestly just working from itself, and I'm working from a deficit. And as I talk to a room, and a lot of you here are Christian or seeking, you know, and kind of finding out more about God, but when I, before I was a Christian, talk about working from a deficit, I feel like as, as a person outside of the realm of the church, I was kind of trained to be like, ha those Christians, I know who they really are. Right? I see them smile. I see how friendly they are. They're real, I, you know, I don't know what they're trying to sell me on. I don't know what they're trying to get out of me, but I know they're trying to sell me on something. So I know to be wary and stay away. My freshman year of college, right, I knew to stay away from the chapel at 11 o'clock. Why? Because those Christians are going to get their hooks into me. Right? They're somehow going to sell me on something, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I think I know what's really inside there. And as a, as a moment of self-reflection, you know, people will look at the church and say, honestly, I, c- I can't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites, right? It's people that pretend to be perfect, but on the inside, they're really full of sin. And if that's what their perception is, I got to say, like, well, if, if I was going to tell you I was perfect, I'll tell you the first thing, I'm, I'm not. And if the perception I'm trying to give to you is that I'll be perfect here, even though there's stuff inside me, then I'm wrong. And indeed, the church is full of hypocrites, right? If you thought this was a resort for the saints, it's really a hospital for those that are sinners, right? Those who need God's grace. And what's a little bit different is when we come here together, and grace is such a wonderful place, because we have these repentant hearts that says, hey, I know that no matter how great my face might have been, no matter how clean the outside of my cup is this week, I know the inside, I need to be filled with God's grace, and I need to be cleaned by Jesus, and you hear the inside of this cup, as I've mentioned before, is that unrepentant heart. Jesus says this to the Pharisees, Woe to you, Pharisees! You're full of greed and wickedness. And then he continues on in that reading, You neglect justice and demand respect. Later, Jesus says, From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these things defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. And as you you look at that, again, he's focused on what's coming from the inside out. He's saying it's not about the things on the outside of the cup like you're focusing on. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So my question to you kind of at the beginning is this. What does it look like when you're operating with an unrepentant heart? What does it feel like? Because I'd like to tell you I read this in a book, but I, I'm just going to tell you from personal experience. When I have that unrepentant heart, when I'm harboring anger, when I'm waiting for someone else to apologize to me for the things that they've done wrong rather than to forgive them outright, or when I feel like people need to earn my respect rather than me freely give it to them, from the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks, and my heart's not full of good things in that moment. 
So what we mean by it's filled, this unrepentant heart. And honestly, when you see those characters in the movies, going back to them, right, those ones who are the, they trick the protagonist, they're full of, they're clean on the outside, yet the inside, they're full of this darkness and, and this filth. What do you want to see in that movie as an audience member? You want to see them get justice, don't you? Right? You want to see them get their just desserts. You can't wait to see how things are going to turn around on them. But then I tell you, when I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror, what do I want to see happen to that guy? I'm praying for mercy. I'm praying for something to, to change my heart. I'm praying for Jesus to go inside and to clean it. And that's what's different. Because as I look at that man in the mirror, what does Christ want for that person? What does Christ want for us? Well, he wants to make us clean. He doesn't want us to sit there in that filth and in that muck. He's seeking to make us whole, to clean us out so we could be filled with his grace, his love, his truth, and mercy. So how do we get clean, right? That's our second point over here. How do we get cleaned up? Now that I've kind of really brought the mood down on that, right? How do we get clean? Let me show you, um, well, let me read this first for you. This is a condition, right? Being clean is the condition in order for us to be made holy. And only God can make us holy. Let me show you a picture over here. This is what Israel tried to do. Right? They said, okay, well, you know, if we would fulfill everything that's going on in here, if I could turn every page in this thing and make sure that I have it right, things are good. You know, when we take a look at this chart, you can see everyone else, right? This is the idea of being unclean, going all the way up to clean, and my goal is to climb the mountain, right? My goal is to go up, you know, I'm, everyone else, that's like the Gentiles, people outside of Israel. Okay, I'm in Israel. I'm at step one. Okay, priests, I'm at step two. I'm holier now. And then as I continue to move up, then there's the tabernacle all the way up to the holiness of God. And they would do this by like the scapegoat that Pastor Dinger mentioned last week. Also these sin and ritualistic offerings, finding all these things. But here's the big deal. Why did they need to be clean? Being clean was the only way for God to fill you with his holiness. And I'll tell you this, if you're unclean, right, um, I will tell you this because this is based off a very recent science experiment done by accident. What happens when you pour boiling water into an ice cold glass? It, it does more than that. It explodes. <laughs> At least mine did. Um, but like, as you pour it into it, it breaks. Why? Because the cold glass can't handle that boiling hot water. In the same sense, God says, my holiness that I want to pour into you if, you, if you are clean, it will be life-giving. It will be beneficial. It will fill you with blessings. But if you're unclean, my, ho my holiness is like that boiling hot water being poured into an ice-cold glass. My holiness will destroy you. So the people of Israel are saying, I don't want to be destroyed, and I want to be filled with God's holiness. Therefore, if I want to be clean, I need to stay away from people that are unclean. It's kind of this decision-making process. Therefore, what do we do with the people that are unclean? We, sh we exclude them. We ship them off. Keep them away from us, because if you come in contact with me and I'm made unclean, I am now progressing down this slope rather than going up. You see how it's a lot of me focus? kind of on this idea. I want to go up the slope and not down. And what's really interesting here is you kind of decide this as they sent people away. So being clean and unclean. Um, we often say, so if you sin, you're unclean. This is true. If you sin, you're unclean. But if you're unclean, it doesn't always mean that you sinned. So let me say that again. If you sinned, you're unclean, right? Cause, effect. But if you're unclean, it doesn't mean that you always sinned. Why is that? You take a look and you read through this book of Leviticus. People will say, Christians, you're a bunch of hypocrites because you choose which rules you want to follow and which ones you don't. Because don't you follow any of the cleanliness rules that you see in here? Like, for example, 
being, as we kind of, wait just a moment, right? But one example being, as you look at this book of Leviticus, and you're choosing laws between clean and unclean. Uh, if a woman gave birth, she was deemed unclean. If a woman started to menstruate, she was deemed unclean. If you touched a dead body, maybe it was your mother or anything like that, um, it, you were deemed now unclean. There were all these conditions in which you just lived. If you contracted a disease or a skin disease, you were now deemed unclean. Well, hold on. What did I do to make that happen? Isn't giving birth to children a blessing? Isn't that a command by God? Why, why do you put me in this camp over here of being unclean? It's where we make the mistake often that we think of this whole thing, this whole book. Look at the thickness again. It's like a, a quadrupled stuff Oreo, right? To say that this is all bad. And it was meant to separate us from other people. And it's not that. God put his law in place so that his holiness wouldn't destroy us. So we could be one with God, right? And the same thing for the sake of our neighbor. Does it sound like a command that Jesus gave, right? Love for the sake of your neighbor. Ladies in the room, if you've ever given birth, besides your child, how much do you want to be like poked and touched after that whole process? Probably, <laughs> don't, you don't even need to say it. You could just, I, I, all the shaking heads have, have told me very sternly. Um, not very much, right? And consider now, first century compared to 21st century, the medical technology back then isn't nearly what we had today, obviously. But now you're, you know, things have happened <laughs> when you give birth, right? And uh, you're at high risk for infection, disease, catching things like that. So God would say, in order to protect you from others, I will put you in this camp of being unclean. Why? Because people won't touch you. Because <laughs> they themselves would then become unclean. So as this method of protection, if you have a skin disease, if I have a cold, for example, and I'm at home and my wife is there and she's taking care of me because you ever hear the term man sick before? I get man sick. I, 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 I'm on death's door with a common cold. And, um, and so she takes care of me. And then after four days later, I see her with a nose sniffle and then I see her with a cold and I'm 100% better. Do I feel great? Not exactly. I'm pretty sure I knew where she got that from, right? And that was from me. In the same sense, when I'm sick or maybe I had a skin disease, separating that group of people from everybody else was a sake, not just for them not catching it, but for the guilt of carrying it that you gave it to somebody else, right? So again, he's separating again, clean and unclean. If you look at all those different rules and all those different conditions, you see how it's meant to protect people. And on, on, this is a very quick Side note over here, right? You see all the foods, right? There's a huge food list of what's clean and unclean. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Chris? This is, again, the very abbreviated version. Anyone here love oysters? I could shuck an oyster, put some horseradish on it, and some cocktail sauce. And other people in the room are going, yuck, that's gross, right? I, I, I confess, it is gross. And I like, to, I like to eat them. They are very gross. But you know what? Um, it's, it's outlawed as a food in the Old Testament. But I'll tell you this. Uh, there's Portneuf Medical Center right up there. If I have a bad oyster, I could go to the hospital and feel pretty confident I'm going to be taken care of. Um, in first century, I, I can't exactly have that confidence. So you could see how even some certain food laws, not all of them, right? But certain food laws were meant to make sure people were safe for the sake of your neighbor and that you were clean. But overall, as you look at all these clean and unclean laws and kind of this big book, not just for the sake of others, you really get a sense of how far our separation from God had become, how far that fall from the garden really was, that there could be things that are clean and unclean, how far not just have we fallen, what I would like to see as a reflection, because just biologically speaking, there was no way anyone couldn't be unclean. Even if you followed every single page and every single law in this book, 
you would somehow still be unclean, a common cold, anything like that, just running into something, helping your, if, if your, a loved one passed away to move their body out of their home, you were deemed unclean. Just biologically speaking, in a fallen world, there's no way anyone could escape this idea of being unclean and being in need of God to cleanse them. Not only do you see how far the fall has gone in a gospel sense, you see how far Jesus came for our sake, right? How far he's come down this sort of slope all the way to us, to be the one among us, the only one among us, mind you, that could be clean and come in contact with the unclean and break that rule and remain clean, right? Going to all the lepers, going to all the people that he was healing, healing the people that had um, sinful spirits, that had demons. He could go to each one of them. He could touch them, him himself, not be defiled, yet free them from those sins, forgive them, and also cleanse them. Right? And heal them. And if you go back to those unrepentant hearts, you know, not to hit on it too hard, when I carry around this sense of unrepentance and this lack of forgiveness I want to give to somebody else, honestly, it's because if I forgive you, maybe I feel like that you win. And if you win, maybe if I forgive you, then I feel like I did something wrong. And if I'm wrong, that means I failed. And my failure is honestly the, the, the deepest, nastiest filth that I think I could ever encounter. We often take failure and say, that's what really makes us unclean. And we focus too much on that rather than on the one who desires to make us clean. So kind of the big three I want you to focus on from these Levitical laws, and again, just a very brief overview before our final point. When something is unclean and comes in contact with something that's clean, the clean thing doesn't make the unclean thing clean outside of Christ. The only thing that was clean that could cleanse the unclean and make it clean God is the only one that can make things holy, and God's cleanliness is for the sake of your neighbor, as we outlined, so his holiness would not harm you. And as I mentioned, that kind of oneness and that idea with Christ, right, when we feel stuck, because I'll tell you what, when I look at that hill, I feel stuck. I feel stuck at the bottom, too. I'm like, all right, every time I feel like I take one step forward, I take three steps back, Lord. What does it mean with this whole regards to cleanliness? Because I'm unable to keep up. My cup's pretty dirty on the inside. When I feel stuck... And I hear this idea that Jesus wants us to be cleansed and desires us to be holy. It's that third point, right? Jesus comes to us and wants to cleanse us. He brings to us that repentance, and it's by his sacrifice that we are cleansed. And as I remember and kind of consider that more so, Jesus, I, I love him. Great guy, right? Great. He's my Lord. There are times when it's also a little bit abrasive. Have you ever had those, those bottle brushes? Right? And they have all the prickles on the outside. you got to get in there and you scrape everything on the inside. Sometimes scraping away that muck and that dirt and that dust can hurt. And it can feel abrasive. Yet, when we had a solution before that cleansed us temporarily, Jesus is this permanent solution. Jesus brings us this permanence of being clean because it's his cleanliness he gives to us. There is no cleansing without sacrifice. That story in Leviticus 14, I won't review the whole thing for you again, but what a cool cool way to just see the foreshadowing of Christ. That at the death and the life of that one bird, the other one is then set free. There's this term, whether you've heard it or not, it's called the great exchange. Because although Jesus is the only one that's clean that can come in contact with the unclean and therefore remain clean, that's not always what he does. You hear this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
so that God's holiness wouldn't destroy us. Christ has taken our sin upon himself. And as we say, going to this marching through all the way to Holy Week through every Lenten service, right? He takes our uncleanliness, our uncleanness, our sin, our dirt, our shame. He takes it to the cross with him and gives us his righteousness. He makes us that holy vessel that God can pour into. For the one that was not sin, he became sin. So when he came to the cross and when he died, we hear it all the time, his blood made us as white as snow. His blood is the thing that cleansed us. His very own body and blood, when we partake of it in communion, that's that meal of forgiveness that we get to participate in knowing that we've been completely cleansed, absolved, as we hear in that absolution, of all our sin and made clean. By his wounds, we are healed. And I love to hear this verse when Jesus, during the foot washing, says, If you do not let me wash you, you have no part with me. And then Jesus says again later, No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you considered those two verses in light of everything that's going on over here? Right? You may be unclean, but in order for you to be fulfilled and filled with God's holiness, I will clean you. And you will be able to come to the foot of God because I will be the one that can place you there. I will make you worthy. It's Christ's worthiness that he gives to us is why we can come to the table as we prepare our hearts to receive his great gifts of forgiveness and eternal life. And the very last point I'll make for you came from that First Peter chapter 2 reading. We see this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Again, kind of going through all this and everything going on here, there were tears of not just cleanliness, there were tears of holiness as well, even within a Levitical priesthood. And all the way at the tippy top, there was the, the high priest that could go into the Holy of Holies. And here's the other neat piece. He was the only one that could consume, that could eat this meal of uh, the sin offering. The sin offering was burnt before God, and he was the only one that was holy enough to eat of that same sin offering and here we are, because of our high priest, because of Jesus, brought into that same royal priesthood, so we too can eat that same meal, that sin offering of forgiveness, the very own body and blood of Jesus. So as we come to Jesus today, whether it's in prayer, whether we did it in the beginning, our confession and absolution, or we come to a meal as we partake, especially that Maundy Thursday, that institution of the Lord's Supper, that gift of the Passover he gives to us. Recall these words with a repentant heart, Jesus comes in. And that repentant heart is turning away from sin and turning towards God. God, I know that I'm unclean. Lord, I, I, I don't know why I continue to sin, as Paul writes in Romans. I don't know why I keep doing these things, but I know one thing. My faith is in you, and my faith grabs hold of your promises, Jesus. So I please ask you to make me clean. And Jesus says, I have, by my very own body and blood, I will make you as white as snow. So to the one who cleans us, the one who gives us and fills us with his grace, his mercy, his truth, and life. To him be that glory now and forever. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.